This is Youpreneur FM, the official podcast of the Youpreneur Mastermind Community, a place where no entrepreneur gets left behind in their pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. And now, and now, here's your host, serial entrepreneur and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Chris Ducker. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 219 of Youpreneur FM. Thank you very much for being with me. It is an honor and a privilege as always. Today, Pamela Wilson is in the house talking all about content marketing. Actually, more specifically, how the hell we can actually get it together <laughs> when it comes to our content marketing and figure it all out and actually master it. But before we get into today's show... Big news, if you haven't already heard, tickets are now on sale for the first ever Youpreneur Summit live event, which is going to be held in London, England on November 11 and 12th of this year, 2017. We're bringing in the best speakers in the game when it comes to the personal brand entrepreneurial landscape. We'll be holding daily mastermind and brainstorming sessions, and we have several Youpreneur members themselves gracing the stage to show you exactly, step-by-step, how they've built successful businesses around their own personal brands. The event is being held at the world-famous QE2, or the Queen Elizabeth II Convention Center. It's right in the heart of London. We're already seeing people booking tickets from all around the world. This event, by the way, isn't just for people in the UK and Europe. It's for everyone. It's for every Youpreneur member, every Youpreneur listener, every Youpreneur subscriber, no matter where you are. Guys, London is one of the most incredible cities in the world. It truly is. And if you've never been, this is the perfect time now to scratch it off your must-visit list and attend our first ever live event at the same time. It's a double whammy. It's a double whammy. You can get more information on the event, discover who the speakers are, and obviously secure your place just by visiting youpreneursummit.com today. That's youpreneursummit.com. I look forward to seeing you in London. Now, let's get on with the show. So on to my chat with Pamela. So Pamela and I have known each other for quite some time. Uh, She comes to us with a long and varied career on the subjects of publishing and just content marketing in general. She used to be connected with the copy blogger and the Rainmaker guys and just really like a serious pro in the space, plain and simple. And I asked Pamela to come on and really share the ins and outs and specific processes that we should be using to take everything that we're doing with our content marketing to a whole new level. It's a great conversation. Get your notebooks out. You're going to need them. Here's myself and Pamela. So Pamela, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here, Chris Ducker. Not as happy as I am to have you with us, Pamela Wilson. Good this is great. Gosh. We've been talking about having this conversation for many months, so I'm, we I'm very happy the day has arrived. Yeah. Here it is. I was finally able to nail her down, everybody. The schedule of a busy woman like Pamela Wilson <laughs> cannot be matched, I tell you. That's totally what it is. You have been a busy bee. Um, we're going to talk about all that, but I just want to say from one author to another, congratulations. End of last year, you launched your latest book, Master Content Marketing, a simple strategy to cure the blank page blues, I love this, and attract a profitable audience. So congratulations. 
Thank you so much. That was actually my very first book. Oh, it was? And I, now, why oh, am yeah. I thinking that you were an author? I, I know why it is. It's because throughout your I, copy blogger days, you have created so much content. I, I just made a horrible assumption that you must have, a, you know, <laughs> a library of books already on the shelf, probably. I, if you printed out all my posts and stitched them together, you would have at least a book and a half. So, Good. yeah, I, I've done a lot of writing, but I had not. I have designed books for other people because my background is publication design. So okay. I have designed a lot of print pieces for people, but I had not written one of my own. Um, and as I say in the book at the very beginning, I'm not a writer. So one of the reasons I wrote Master Content Marketing is that once I put my business online, I knew I wanted to use this thing, content marketing, I'm drawing air quotes, because seriously, at the time, I wasn't even sure what content marketing was, but mm. I knew I wanted to use it. I knew it would involve writing. And I, I sort of approached it the way I had approached a lot of my design and other creative projects, which was to kind of spread it out and tackle it over several days. Mm. So this worked out. It turned out really well. I was able to create enough content for my own site. And then I still had some time to do guest posting, started writing for Copyblogger, ended up getting hired by the company and running Copyblogger um, up until not too long ago. So it, it was such an interesting journey, and I sort of wanted to capture it in a book while it was still fresh in my mind. Yep, yep, and fair comment as well. And I, you know, I think you've done a great job, and I can't wait to deep dive on this. So, And I also want to talk about the journey of content marketing. I said because, you know, so many people are quite frankly, they're stressed out over it. Um, and myself included at some point in the past have been several points in the past, quite frankly, where I've, I've, I feel like I've bitten off more than I can chew. Or if I'm not creating XYZ content on a consistent basis, I'm missing out on something. And I think a lot of people that would be tuning in the Youpreneur FM are in that category, or they have been, and it might come back to them at some point. Um, and you know, particularly based on the fact that I know my subscribers, my listeners are busy people. They are authors and speakers and coaches and consultants and bloggers and podcasters and whatnot. This is, this can get quite stressful. And I think, you know, the concept of mastering it or any process is, is maybe, well, it's not maybe, it's a lot easier when you've got a guide to sit down and actually follow. Um, and I think this book, handles that so one everybody listening go and buy it obviously uh, but number two before we deep dive into the content of the book and really how it can help everybody talk to me a little bit about how do we manage this like there's a lot of stuff we could be doing Pamela let's face it right Mm. There is. And I think the first thing is a, a little bit of a mindset shift, because the first okay. thing you really need to do is to think, you know, I'm not going to create a piece of content that I will just add to the pile that already exists out there. Right. So as I speak to people and, and deliver speeches, one of the things that I always emphasize is, you don't want to just create another piece of content because the world has enough content now. We could stop all content creation tonight yep. and the world would have enough content. We would not have any content scarcity for any length of time. There's plenty of content, but but 
really the majority of it is is kind of mediocre, you know. It's content that people skip right over and don't spend time on because the author has not been thoughtful about the way they put it together. They haven't really focused on delivering value in a very engaging format. Yep. Th- that is what I call amazing content. So one of the things that I've been saying to people is, you know, you need to make a commitment to make something amazing every time you create a piece of content. And if that means that you post less often, but when you post, it's really good, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then, then you should be doing that. I mean, don't, don't put yourself on this hamster wheel where you just feel like you have to churn out something and you end up doing something that is, you know, mediocre and and just doesn't stand out. That's what I call fluff, you know. It's totally called fluff. We don't need – the internet doesn't need more bloody fluff, does it? It needs meat on bones, truly. Absolutely. And it's, you know – it sounds like such a an impossible thing to achieve if you're not <laughs> if you don't feel like you're a writer, you know. Right. And even if you if your mode of content is podcasting or vlogging, you know, you may feel like you don't have enough experience in that venue to produce at a really high level. But I believe that anyone can learn how to do it. It's mm. um there's a basic underlying structure to all content, and I talk about it in the book. If you can master those structural elements, you can assemble a piece of content almost like a puzzle. Yes, agreed, 100%. Agreed, 100%. So let me ask you this then, and then we'll, we'll, I want to sort of deep dive a little bit into the book. What For you personally, this is a double-barrel question because I'm cheeky like that, right? So mm-hmm. n- number one, what is your favorite pe- favorite type of content to create, okay, in terms of medium? Is it written? Is it audio? Is it video? Whatever. Um, and then number two, what is your favorite type of content medium to consume? I asked this question because not so long ago I asked it on Facebook, and I had well over 100 comments in a matter of hours. And people are quite vocal about what they like and what they don't like. So I'm curious. I'm, I'm asking, you know, the content marketing mistress right here right <laughs> what 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 where are you standing on those two things i you know what's really interesting is what i am liking so my background like i said is publication design yes and a publication i did a, i designed a lot of magazines actually and so this is what that job looks like the writers pile a whole bunch of Word documents on your desk and the photographers pile a whole bunch of photography on your desk and you have to put it together into this format that makes it all readable, that gives it like a visual rhythm that makes it really interesting to consume. So what I am liking right now, um, and it's a change that I'm seeing in online content and in my opinion, it's a positive change, is that some of that visual rhythm is now happening online. So you're seeing a lot of posts that have an image at the top, but then they have smaller images inserted into the post itself every so often to kind of break up the copy. Mm. I love that. I love that. And the other thing that I'm loving is that a lot of people are inserting video in their written content. So That's what I'm really liking now is that multimedia content where if somebody does prefer a video, 
they can watch a short video. Or maybe the video is just a supplementary piece of content. It's not the entire piece of content. Okay. It's something that adds to the meaning of the piece of written content. But it's this idea that it's kind of multimedia and you have this page where you can do a lot of different things and look at a lot of different things. I think that's so smart because it turns out that images enter into our brains on a completely different channel than verbal information. So by harnessing the power of images and video, you are really plugging into both channels in someone's brain. Mm -hmm. And it just gives you another way to communicate with them, another level of communication that's, I think it can be super effective when it's done well. And it, it makes me very happy to see more people communicating that way. Yeah, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you'd probably know a little bit more about this than me, but I mean, I'm assuming heavily that Google nowadays is also preferring people to have these multimedia type posts going up on their website on a regular basis. Would I be right in saying that? You know, honestly, I don't know, Chris. Hmm. I'm looking at it from a reader point of view. I just think, I think there's probably, we could probably make a good guess that readers are going to spend more time on a page that is presented that way. So right, Google right. Google probably rewards them for the fact that people are spending more time on the page and they're not bouncing off and clicking away so quickly. But I yeah, I don't honestly know that now now I know what I'm gonna, you know, get off and research as soon as we get <laughs> off this. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have to assume for the exact same reason you said, you know, Google, Google wants to ultimately, you know, primarily list in search results websites that are regarded as authority type websites, right? So, Absolutely. you know, for, yeah. for you to be seen as, a, as an authority website, not only do you need to get the traffic, but you've got to keep it when it's there. If they're disappearing after five seconds, that's not, there's not much authority being built there at all. So right. it does, it, it, for me, you know, simple logic says that surely they must appreciate that. Um, in terms of, you know, people sticking around for a longer period of time rather than people clicking away, obviously. so I, yeah. I think that's a very solid assumption. And the thing is, you know, the rule of thumb with Google is if you are serving searchers, then they will reward you. Yes. So anything that you can do that is going to serve up high quality information should be rewarded by Google. Good. Okay. Excellent. Love it. All right. So let's dive into the book. First question. Are you ready? I am totally ready. Okay. Why did it take you so bloody long to write it? (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. You know, at the time that I decided to write this book, I was um, working way more than full time for Rainmaker Digital. So I had this very full time job. And I was also trying to keep up with my own site, Big Brand System. So honestly, the question you should be asking me is, how the heck did you get a book written with everything else you were Okay, doing? I like that. I like this yeah. pivot. This is good. Okay, all right. If, Honestly, if, if the I'm whole not, content not, marketing I... thing doesn't work out for you, you could definitely go into politics because that was good. I'll give you that. That was good. Oh, dear. I, I, did, I had a lot going on. And so what I ended up doing was waking up early on Tuesday mornings and taking all Saturday morning. And I did that over 12 weeks. And I got the first draft written in 12 weeks. And then I, you know, found an editor. And, and of course, I was doing a podcast about the whole thing, because, you know, I wasn't busy enough. So I did this podcast called zero to book dot FM with Jeff Goins, who served as my 
writing coach basically, but writing coach and the whole process was recorded. So it was, it was a really fascinating process. I love the whole thing. And the main reason I wanted to write that book was to record this process that I had learned. But the reason the personal reason was so that I could learn how a book was put together, start yeah. to finish. Yeah. And I did, I learned that I loved it. I have already written a second really short book and I'm working on a third. So oh, I love it. So you got the bug now you've got the bug. I, I do. I loved it. It was such a great process. And I felt like I, it kind of pulled together a lot of the skills that I've developed over my career. So it was fun to put all those things to use. One of the things that I did is I contracted an illustrator who I had worked with on print design product projects before. Um, he has done work for the Nickelodeon Children's Network, which is a big children's television network yep, yep. here. His, his work is amazing. So I contracted with him to do the cover design, and then he created this series of characters. Well, it's really one character, but he created a series, and the character kind of develops as the book goes along. So that was so much fun to incorporate an element like that as well. Ah, good stuff. All right. I love it. Brilliant. So, okay. And Jeff is amazing. I'm sure he helped you out a lot throughout the cost, throughout that process as well. He's just – he's incredible. Um Okay, let's say we've been blogging for a little while. We've been creating podcasts for a little while. We've been making our YouTube videos for a little while. And we're a little all over the place. We're in a bit of a tizwas, as we, as we would say in England. <laughs> my, my, my English brothers and sisters will like that. Um, but, but let's say we're at that point and we want to start setting ourselves up properly for success with our content marketing we want to start ultimately making sure that we're not spinning our wheels you know for for some reason or another and that we're really utilizing our time properly and that our stuff is going to be seen and shared and all the rest of it what's the first few things that we should consider doing to start taking the content marketing side of our businesses to not actually i'm not going to say to the next level i'm just going to say more seriously Mm, more seriously. More seriously. So, right. You know, the interesting thing is, um, I my my whole career really has been about creativity. So, I my background is design, um, and what I found over the years is that when you're creating anything, when you're doing any kind of creative work, the best foundational support that you can give that work is to embrace. And you're not going to believe what I'm about to say. Go ahead. <laughs> Systems and processes, which most creative people just they don't even want to hear about that. But the amazing thing is when you have a system and a process for getting something done, you you don't have to use your brain power on that aspect of the project. And you have freed up all this brain power to put toward the creative work. So I had developed lots of systems and processes around my design work and my design business, and I ended up kind of folding those into how I created content. So that is a big piece of what I teach in the book is how to develop this process that is custom designed for you to support your process of getting content created so that it never seems overwhelming, so that you have plenty of time to to let the idea fully develop yep, before yep. you publish it, and so that you have plenty of time to review it more than once 
and catch anything, you know, catch holes in your argument or catch mistakes or, you know, things that you need to add to flesh out. It's um, when you have a process and you spread the process out over several days, it's almost magic how much better your content gets and how how much less overwhelming the whole process seems. It, 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 I mean, I always tell people that's how you make it fun. You just spread it out over time, do a little bit every day, and suddenly you're going to find it's something you look forward to. I love it. Okay, so yeah, and I think you're right because I remember when I first started blogging, and compared to you, I'll 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 seem like a rookie here, but I I started blogging January two thousand and ten. That is the exact month and year when I started. Get out of town! I thought you'd been I'm around not, a little longer than that. No, I mean I have been around longer than that, but that's <laughs> when I started blogging. That's when I started blogging. Okay, yeah. good, good, good. All right, so now I don't feel so much of a rookie. That's good. No, not at all. Not um, at all. and I mean. When I first started, I was so excited about the fact that, you know, seven people would be reading this when I hit publish, you know, and three of them were in the same room as me at the same time <laughs> and, and all this sort of type of stuff. And I, for me, it was just so exciting, genuinely, that I could create content that would then ultimately be picked up and seen, consumed and hopefully shared. Even back in them days, people were still sharing things on Twitter and whatnot. Um, and that blew my mind a little bit, and I was so excited about it. I looked forward to it every week. But then as time went by, uh, you know, a couple of years or so, it became a little bit of a chore. And I realized – a chore, yeah. Yeah, what yeah. I realized was that, you know, I, I, I kind of – I don't think I can blog three times a week anymore. I think mm-hmm. – because once it, once it becomes not fun – then it's you know you start questioning whether you should even be doing it at all uh, and obviously within that couple of years of blogging i had built a good subscriber list a good community people were enjoying my content and then you know the question was you know what happens to them are they going to be upset with me bah, 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 bah. and i remember asking them in an email i said look i'm thinking of cutting down to once a week from three times a week let me know what you think um and i had an overwhelming reply from people saying chris do your thing we're here to support you we just love your content man as long as it still remains good we're fine with once a week and that was kind of you know what 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 i was doing i think and, and i'd love to know how you feel about this is that what i was doing is i was asking for people's permission and they gave me it, and I ran with it. Have you come across something like that before in in your career, where you've sort of you felt like you needed to ask for permission to make changes? Um, yeah, I I mean I think when you develop an online audience, it's such a strange thing because you know you don't have a lot of contact with them person to person, right? So you you do find yourself making assumptions about them that you have no idea if they're even based in reality. <laughs> so right, right. every so often I have done I run like a focus group right. and the focus group has basically been I get 10 or 12 volunteers and I do 10 or 12 Skype calls and just I ask them all the same set of questions and it's been shocking to me the replies I've gotten and you're right I I mean to a certain extent I'm sort of asking permission but mostly what I want is just feedback 
Mm. Um, you know, what do you think about what I'm doing? What are you finding most helpful? And I'll never forget somebody back in 2012 when I ran the first focus group said, I just want more of Pamela. (laughs) I thought that was so funny. I'm like, really? That's great. (laughs) So yeah. And so what the way I responded to that, she said, I just want you to see you more. I want more contact with you. So I started running these monthly webinars and they were very popular. And that was basically an idea that came directly from my audience. So it is amazing. You know, you assume you think, you know, but until you really talk to people, Mm -hmm. you, you don't know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you a hundred percent. All right. I love it. Good stuff. Okay. So we want to get to the point where we feel like it's exciting. It's something that we're looking forward to, et cetera, et cetera. Is there any, I mean, let's talk, let's sort of talk about written content a little bit and we can maybe sort of touch a little bit on, on the podcasting and and the video side of things. But I think ultimately it's all the same really, because you're still going to be publishing video. You're still going to be publishing podcasting um, or podcasts rather. I mean, is there a formula per se? Is there a process system that you follow when it comes to creating this content? I'm, I'm always very, very curious, and I know my audiences as well, um, on how successful people do these things on a consistent basis. Yeah. So let me – I want to give you my – outline of my four day content creation system. This is what I call it. And the other thing I want to, I mean, just remind me because I don't want to leave you without telling you. So I boiled it down to seven main content elements that need to be in any piece of content, even podcasts, even podcasts. So remind me and I'll include that as well. But the four day content creation system, basically what you do is you think I, so like we said earlier, you know, it's more important to publish really amazing content rather than publishing a volume of content, right? So if you're going to focus on creating, let's say one really good, engaging, valuable piece of content per week, what I want to ask you to do is to think about which day of the week you want to publish. Mm -hmm. So figure out the best day for you. And of course, you need to think about your audience too. So for example, if you post about events that are happening in your community on the weekends, you probably don't want to post on Saturdays because the weekend is already there. So think about when you can best serve your audience with your publication day. And then I want you to work backward four days. So on the first day, what I tell people to do is to pick their topic write their headline and write their subheads. So writing your headline, as you know, I'm sure, um, generally means writing, you know, like 25 headlines until you come up with one that's decent. Um, Generally, the first 10 or 12 are not very exciting. Sometimes they're very cliche. It's like the first thing that comes to your mind. So it's a good idea. And and, and that yeah, and that usually comes from like seeing it everywhere else, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Which is why, I mean, they're kind of cliche. It's like, you know, it's nothing new because you're just kind of regurgitating something you've seen. So right. get those out of your system. Keep writing. Somewhere around headline 12 or 13, they'll probably start to get interesting. But just keep pushing until you come up with a headline that really sells that piece of content because your headline is 
is like your sales copy for your content when it's shared around the internet. So it's a very, very important element. And then I recommend that people write out their subheads, three to five subheads for a piece of content, and just think through how you're going to present your information from start to finish. So between you and me, what what we're basically recommending is that people create an outline before they start to write. Right. That's which I think that's rare. I don't think uh, I don't think many people do that, and I think it's there's something to be said for that. In terms I of prep think work. there's a lot to be said. So yeah. I don't call it an outline. I tell people it's their content backbone because we all have like traumatic stress disorder from hearing outlining in our English classes. So don't think of it as an outline. Think of it as your content backbone. Write your headline. Write out your subheads. And that is it. On the first day, that's all you have to do. So what I recommend is that people just walk away and in their minds – There is going to be a part of their minds that's going to be thinking about their content. So when they're out taking a walk or they're, you know, washing dishes or whatever, working on their car, something is going to click and they may come up with an extra idea for that piece of content. So that's day one. Day two is when I recommend that people just dive in and get that first draft written. So the first draft does not have to be perfect and polished. Mm -hmm. The best thing that they can do is just write it start to finish. There's another complete day for editing. So this, you know, it really does not have to be in great shape. It just has to be done by the end of the day. Um, That's the day that you're going to do the most writing. So if you drink coffee or tea, that would be a great day to have an extra cup. So you need a little extra juice. So So that's day two. And then on day three, you're going to go back to that first draft, which you now have not looked at for a full 24 hours. So you should be able to see if there are holes in your argument or there are spelling mistakes or there are parts that are not totally making sense that you just need to polish up a little bit. So that's day three, polishing it up, getting it all ready to publish. I recommend that people spend some time making it look readable. So that's adding formatting things like bulleted lists and block quotes, images, Mm -hmm. anything to make that page look skimmable and readable and attractive. And that's day three. So you finish that up. And then on the fourth day, you're going to be publishing it and promoting it. And you're going, if you have comments enabled on your blog, you're going to be available in comments. You're going to share it on social media multiple times. The other thing that I tell people to do is if they have written an especially good post or like an epic post that they are just super proud of, that they've poured a lot of time into, day four is a great day to reach out to other website owners who may have a similar audience to yours and ask them if they want to share your post. Okay, good. All right. Okay. Love it. Wow. I mean, okay. Thanks, Pam. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's just. That's it. There's your system, everyone, right? (laughs) You're doing a little bit every day, you know, and, and that way you, the thing is, if you sit down and try to get all of those things done in one sitting, by the time you get to the end, you're exhausted. You have like no, no brain juice left, right? So The idea is that you approach it the way an artist would approach a canvas. You're just going to put another layer on this piece of creative, amazing work that you're putting together. You just put another layer on every day 
and then you walk away and go on with the rest of your day. And that way, hopefully, your content creation process will be something you actually look forward to rather than dreading. Yeah. No, I love it. Okay. I mean, and, and that's what I like about that also is that it enables you to kind of not, I mean, yeah, it keeps the overwhelm away and, and it allows you to sort of attack the piece of content with a fresh mindset each, each time you go back to it as well. I like that a lot. That's good. Um, what was it? Oh, okay. Here's, so here's a quick question. You mentioned comments there. I want to touch on this very quickly. So, Many moons ago, like two, three years ago, um, everybody was all about their comments on their blog. They always wanted to have a high comment count and they would reply to every comment to you know, boost that count, a lot of people, uh, and all that sort of type of thing. And then everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of the big players, including the copy blogger boys and girls, um, Michael Hyatt and, you know, other people that we all know and love here at Upener FM, they stopped comments. They took them off their blogs. Uh, and now a lot of them are actually bringing them back on again. What's your take on comments? I personally don't have comments on my blog or my podcast episodes. Um, I personally prefer to keep the conversation on social. Um, but I'm just curious to see what your your feedback is on that, your, your mm. feelings. Yeah, I have feelings about this, Chris. I'm sure so. you do. And, and I'm worried now, I'm worried that you might instantly start not liking me now on, on my own oh, no, show no. of all places as well. <laughs> no, not at all. So um, I think the commenting environment has really changed. And I think it is partly because of social media. I think a lot of those conversations, you know, there didn't used to be this gathering hole the way Facebook yes. and Twitter are yes. nowadays, right? There there wasn't this watering hole that we all gathered around, right? Um, and so what we would do is we would gather around the watering hole of our favorite websites in the comments section. And that, you know, people are online looking for community. I think that's a big reason that a lot of us are online. So we we are going to gather no matter what. And at the time, the best place to do that was in the comment section of your favorite blog. You could find like-minded people, anyone that was reading the same content you were was likely interested in a lot of the same things. So it was a great place to find your people. Hmm. Now on social media, I mean, there's just a lot of competition for attention and, and mind share that social media has has taken from that. And so I do think a lot of the conversation has gone to those venues. Um, copy blogger took comments away before I joined the team. And then they asked me to manage the copy blogger editorial team. I started that in March of 2015. And one of the first things I said I wanted to do was to bring comments. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. It isn't, and I don't know if they'll keep them open. I mean, it's not my decision at this point, but um, it it is not the same environment that it used to be. But for those who still enjoy that process of leaving a comment on a post, it's still very important. And I felt strongly that I wanted to give them a place to do that. The other interesting angle on this is that I for many, many years before I joined the team, I was a guest writer for copy blogger. 
And one of the things I most looked forward to about writing for Copyblogger was interacting with people in the comments and getting feedback on my posts. And when they took comments away and closed them down, it was like, I don't know, I would just publish and there was no, it was like if a tree falls in the woods and no one sees it. Like if if your post is published on Copyblogger, but there's zero comments, did it actually happen? I don't know, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there was a little bit of that also, you know, I knew the feeling of being a writer for copy blogger and how exciting getting those comments was. It's a, you know, it's a big stage. It's a big audience. So they tend to get more comments than on the average blog. So it, I had missed it as a writer. And once I was in charge of the editorial team and the guest writers, I really wanted to bring it back. So we did bring it back, but we, we had a, um, a compromise sort of. So what I ended up doing is we originally said we will leave comments open for seven days. Mm, um, okay. I, I think we did 14 days. I think it's 14 days now. I think we started at seven and then we extended it to 14, but basically you know, that is an easy setting in the Rainmaker platform and in WordPress. It's an easy setting that you can change at a moment's notice, really. And it's basically saying to people, if you have a comment, make it now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. What, what that did is it eliminated a lot of the spam comments, which is one of the reasons they shut down comments the first time. They had them open all the time. And they had years and years and years of posts and they would be getting these spam comments on these posts that were five years old and they were just spending way too much time managing spam. So that was one of the reasons comments went away the first time. And that was kind of one of the compromises that we decided on to make them easier to manage this time. It's like all the pluses of comments. So you'd still give people the venue and if they're interested, they need to be motivated and get in there and leave their comment because they don't have unlimited time. But you take away some of the minuses, which are dealing with spam on a post that's been open for years, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it worked out. I think it worked out well. I mean, there are not as many comments nowadays as there used to be. Um, but when they do come in, they're they're really special. You know, people have made an effort. So um, I'm a fan but Good. I can I also can totally understand why people need to close them. You know, yep. um, Michael well, Hyatt me, now now brought comments back too as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, so and I think it, 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 it I think it comes down to if you have the team around to manage them like Michael does, for example, to get rid of the spam before. Yeah. And obviously, you know, a, a lot of great. Software like Rainmaker, for example, WordPress will have great spam filters in there and things like that. But, I mean, you know, it still needs to be bloody managed. And I think that was for – and, you know, I'm not too to my own horn here, but before I would turn – before I turned comments off, and we're talking a couple of years ago now, I was getting, you know, 70, 80, 90 comments a post. Um, and that was after – cleaning out all of the spam and the junk and the crap and so you know it it just became even with my VAs like it became to the point where my VA was like boss this is kind of getting out of control I think like it's great and everything but 
you know, we might need somebody full time or at least part time to do this just job. Just to like, manage wow. comments. If yeah. this is taking more than an hour a day, then you know, is it really adding value to the to to the quality of the content in the first place? I'm not sure about that. And so we we tested it for a while, and we got you know the. The, the sentence that's at the end of almost all of my blog posts is, if you enjoyed this post, I'd love to hear about it on Facebook or Twitter. And hey, a share won't hurt either kind of thing. And right. it works. You know, people are sharing my content. Um, we do get people sending messages and tweeting and things like that about the content. So I kind of feel like it's working. And I, I can't see myself bringing comments back. I've got to be honest with you. Because I personally prefer to take the conversation onto the social networks. Um, and I, you know. yeah, and, and honestly, I think that sounds like a great solution and it obviously has worked for you. I think it's got to be a very personal decision that yes. every content creator makes. Yes. Um, not everyone is going to have the 70 to 80 comments problem that you had, Chris. Right, so, right. And it was a know, good problem to have. Don't get me wrong. I'm not it, complaining, oh, yeah. but it just it's, became a little hard to manage, right? Right, Yeah. right. But I, you know, in the early days, just to, you know, talk about a different, perspective for that might be, you know, more understandable for most of the people listening. I do think in the early days of publishing content, it's a beautiful thing to have your comments open because you get feedback from the people who are reading and that feedback can really inform what you do. So I don't know if you remember your very early days, 2010, 2011, but you were probably paying a lot of attention to those comments. I was. I was indeed. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they serve as a guide. That's the thing. But then, you know, if they, I mean, would that we could all have the, the problem of too many comments, right? Oh, yeah. But if they turn into something else that is really not a good use of your time, that's when you need to look into different solutions, either reducing the number of days that they're open or encouraging people to just continue the conversation on social media like you have. I think that's a great solution. Yeah. Yeah, no, we love it. We, we love the way it works. So, okay, look, as we wrap up here then, um, how do you see content marketing developing for the youpreneur out there, for the speaker, the author, the solopreneur, the freelancer, whatever? How, how do you see this developing in the next couple of years? What should we be looking at? What should we be focusing at when it comes to our content and, and the way that we're marketing it? I would really encourage people to think about making this kind of multimedia content. So if they're doing a piece of written content, think about ways you can bring in video, audio, incorporate more images just to make your page more lively and easier to read. Hmm. So I think that's the future. I think that's kind of where things are going. And um, I think that there is a, a higher like production value expectation of content nowadays, mm -hmm. which is a good thing because all of that mediocre content is just, you are not going to have to consider them your competition anymore. Right, right. People are looking for the good stuff, the high value stuff. Um, there's not enough of that and there's too much of the other. So that's, that's a great thing. Chris, I have to tell you, I promised to tell people the seven sections of content and I'm afraid they're going to be upset with you if we don't go over that. <laughs> Let's do I can, it. <laughs> I can say them really quickly. Okay, so go do it. You, you're absolutely right. And I was remiss. I was remiss in my duties as the, <laughs> as the host of this show to even forget about it. Go on, go you ahead. Have go. Comments on your podcast. Cause you maybe would have gotten bad comments on your podcast. We don't want that. So here <laughs> 
about those seven, seven sections of content. Once you know these seven sections and you've kind of mastered them, you'll be able to snap together a piece of content. So you, we Let's have your headline, which we've talked about. The first sentence of your content is the next section. And that's actually really important because it's making that transition from the headline down into the body copy. So a snappy, lively first sentence can go a long way toward keeping people on your page. Yes. Then you have the introduction. The introduction is short, maybe just a few sentences, but you're kind of making a promise of what people are going to get out of spending some time with your piece of content. So that's section three. The fourth section is subheads, which we've talked about. Your subheads help to draw people down the page. Some people skim a piece of content. So some people may actually not go beyond reading your headline and your subhead. So they, you do need to make them good. Then we have your main copy. So the main copy is everything that's at, underneath those different subheads and underneath those sections. Okay. Then we have a section that a lot of people don't really know is there, but it's, I think most engaging content has some kind of summary. It might only be a sentence or two, but it, it's reminding the reader of the journey that they have just gone on with your piece of content. It's, Love that. It's just a little bit of a circling back to talk about the journey they've been on with you. And then finally is the call to action. I feel very strongly that people should always include some kind of call to action, even if it's just share this piece of content on social media or let me know you liked it. That is a call to action. It's a soft call to action. It's a friendly one. Um, it might be opt into my email list, get this piece of bonus content, buy my small product. But, you know, we're creating content with a business purpose. So it needs to have some kind of call to action at the end. It's a good idea to just get into the habit of just having some kind of an ask at the end of your content. Sure. And that's it. That's all seven. God, so good. I love this stuff. You know, I, 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 look, I say this a lot on the show. I feel like we could just keep going and going. I'm very blessed to have such great friends in the industry that I can bring on to the show as guests and to kind of just pick their brains, sometimes quite selfishly. I'll be very honest with you. Um, and, and, you know, just, uh, just bring all this fantastic stuff to my audience. Thanks, Pamela, for coming on. You're just amazing. You really are. Oh, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. It was. It was. And I hope you come back, actually. I kind of feel like like we could do a follow-up on this and just sort of look at more more high-level sort of type stuff as well. Are you, are you up for, um, for coming back at some point in the near future? I would love – yeah, I would love to. I mean, you'll have to book me like six months in <laughs> advance. That's the only problem. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, we will. I would, lo I would love it. Okay. Anytime. You just let me know. Good, good, good. All right. That's good to know. Well, for you guys um, tuning in, we're going to have show notes, links, obviously, to Pamela's site and her book, uh, Master Content Marketing, over at the show note page, chrisducker.com forward slash episode 219. Um, I'll be back here again next week. But until then, take good care. Pamela, thank you one more time for coming on the show. It was great. Thank you so much. All right, guys, that's it for this week. Be good. Be nice to each other. Go create some masterful content. I'll be back at you again in about seven days from now. Bye for now. 
It's the idea of an entrepreneurial community where you get to learn from the best in the business. As well as rub shoulders, gain support, have access to immediate feedback, as well as nonstop accountability from your peers. Is something that excites you. Then visit youpreneur.com for more information and to get started on building a business you can truly be proud of today. That's youpreneur.com. We'll see you on the inside.